God is so good, and um, I am so thankful to be His. Let me, let me go down here and grab my Bible and my coffee, uh, you know, because I like coffee breaks. Um, praise Jesus for his, for his goodness and His love for us. I want to uh, just end our, our series this morning, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the White Robe. Let me go ahead and take a coffee break. We'll start with a break. I apologize for, you know, having to be the Jason Byler show this morning. Um, I just, just continue to lift Joy up in prayer, and the uh, Lord will touch her and, and bring her back um, uh, so, that, uh, so that you get a break from me. <laughs> and, um, and, and she really wants to, to be here, but just ask, just, you know, just can, in, in your prayers for everyone, just, you know, bring Joy into that. Um, and I know you do, and, and thank you so much uh, for it. Um, but I'd like to to uh, end end our series this morning by focusing in uh, on the on the white robe. We, we've talked about the lion, the the witch, uh, and and now I'd like to talk about uh, the uh, the white robe. Uh, and one of the things that you know we have been reminded of. Uh, in this series that you know, that is so needed and, and so important, and I, I think that we know it, but we need reminded of it because we can we can drift and and shift and, and then there are many who don't who don't know and that is that is who we are in christ that that those of us who have come and placed our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ you know i 'm not talking about like like that believing that that doesn't change anything. I'm like talking about the the believing, the the faith, the trust you know, where where you place all of you in Him and you give Him your life, and He's not only Savior, but He's but He's also Lord. You know, James says that the demons believe and they shudder, right? And there's many who would who would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but He's but He's not affected their life or, or changed their their life in any way. It's not a faith that has that has opened up their hearts and, and made Him Savior and, and Lord. But for those who have trusted Jesus with everything, who, who for real have run to Him and put their faith and trust in Him and cried out to Him for salvation and, and, and fallen on their knees and declared Him Lord, the Bible clearly tells us that we are now transformed, that we are different, that we are no longer the same. Jesus calls it being born again. In, in, in 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Corinthians 5, it's, it's explained like this, that we are a new uh, creation, that, that all, all the old things are gone. Behold, all things have become new. And what 2 Corinthians says is that, is, is that what that means is that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live now for Jesus. The, the word no longer there means that at, at one point in time we used to, Right? When we were not in Christ, we lived for ourselves, but coming to Christ means that I died a living for myself, and now the life that I live, I lived, 
I live for him who loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, it's, it's, it's Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. We now live for Jesus. We no longer live for ourselves. That's just radical preaching right there, isn't it? A lot of Christians need that revelation, right? My, uh, my faith in Jesus just isn't to get me to heaven and out of hell. My faith in Jesus means I've died to Jason and been born again to a life of living no longer for my fame or my name or my glory or my honor or, or all about me. What's that song, you know? I, I want to talk about me. Uh, I can't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk about me, it's all about me, focused on me, that, that's no longer me when I come to Jesus. Now it's, now it's Him, it's for His glory, it's for His fame, it's for His honor, it's, it's for His name. Now I no longer live for myself, I live for Jesus. And, and then it says that, that not only has, has that changed, but that my point of view has changed. And it says I no longer, 2 Corinthians 5, I no longer have a worldly point of view. Though I, I once looked at Jesus through the lens of the world, I don't even do that any longer. Now I see him for who he truly is. And I no longer live for myself. I no longer have a worldly point of view. I am a new creation. The old has gone. All things have been made new. Jude, in, in verse 1, Jude says it like this. He, he reminds us that we, are, that we are called of God. That we are loved by God the Father, that, that we're loved by Him. You know, I, I can just, can't you just picture like, like when, when I come home from work, my kids come running and I just snatch them up in my arms and I squeeze. And I'll grab both of those little ones up at the same time if I have to. And, and now these days I'm, I'm snatching them up and I'm fighting off my dog, kicking him because he's trying to get a hug too. You know, and he's about that big now, so it's a little harder to hug him. Elizabeth doesn't run to me anymore, but she does say hi. It's, it's sad, really. Pray for her. It is. Literally, really. When, when she was little, she would run to me when I came home. She's embarrassed now. And she would try to hug me with such force that it would knock me down. We called it the fall-down hug. She said, Daddy, I'm going to give you a fall-down hug. And she'd run, and, and I'd let her jump and hit me and knock me, knock me to the ground, and, and we'd hug. And maybe that's not a good idea anymore. One or the other of us might would get hurt, but, but she does say hi. Hey, Dad. <laughs> but don't you just get that? That we're called of God. And, and, and Jude says that we are loved by God the Father. Don't you just see him just like, just come here, son. Come here, daughter, and just... Just snatching us up and, and holding us in his loving embrace. This is who we are. And then he says, and, and not only that, but we are kept by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You, you know what a shepherd does? He keeps the sheep. And they're good at it. They guard and, and protect and, and watch over and, and feed. And our shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is keeping us. Hey, yeah, hallelujah. That just stirs me up to know that I don't, I don't have some, some, some shepherd that 
that, that is not the almighty, all-knowing, loving God, but that my shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the name written on him, Lord of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's our shepherd and, and he keeps us. I just want you to know, it is a glorious thing to be a child in his kingdom. It's a wonderful thing to be a sheep in his pasture with the Lord Jesus Christ himself watching over us and keeping us and guarding us. That he's the gate and the, and the shepherd and the defender. He said when the he said when the wolves come, He doesn't let them come and take us away. That he, that he fights for us and defends us and goes to battle for us. He is the Lord that is, that is watching us and keeping us. We're loved by God the Father. We are kept by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Re- Revelation 1, 5 and 6 reminds us that, again, that God loves us and that He has set us free. And you could throw in there Galatians 5.1 that, uh, that whom the Son sets free is, is free indeed. Or, or John 8, and then whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And then, and then uh, Galatians 5.1 that, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, live free. He has freed us and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve His God and Father, to Him be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Just, just a reminder of, of who we are in Christ. And, and then, of course, there's, there's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. Let's, let's read this one uh, again, because we've been reading it. That's why I say again, and, uh, and then we will. Right, but we'll push just a little bit further. Uh, this time, First Peter two, uh, verse eight, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Uh, but not us. We have we have obeyed the message. Verse nine. But you see, see, there's the but. Enjoy talk about that a couple weeks ago. The buts, the but gods in scripture, but. <laughs> But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I I don't want you to, I think sometimes we, maybe we miss this, I don't know if we do or not, but but I want to point it out that he has, that he has called us. Right? We, we know that, right? But what has He done? He's called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. That we're God's special possession and that we are called not to be darkness or to remain in darkness, but we are called out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Now, maybe I can point it out by, by reading it this way. We're called out of darkness into His light. Is that as good? Do you see how I left out the word Wonderful. Right there. It's not as good, is it? Isn't that great word right there? That we are called out of darkness into His wonderful light. That His light is, is not just in the light, that it, that it is important for us to realize that it is His wonderful light. I think, I think there's, among a lot of Christians, 
There's an admission of this, that, that they don't exactly recognize that, that they, that they don't see that the light is wonderful. Instead, they get the wonderful over here in front of darkness. And, and they think this, that He's called us out of wonderful darkness into His light. They, they get the wonderful in the wrong place. But we've got to make sure that we have the wonderful in the right place because the darkness is not wonderful. But the light is wonderful. You see, and, and many people who are in Christ are, are, are for some reason like looking back at the darkness and longing for it and desiring it and, and thinking that life is there and that wonder is there and that that's what is wonderful when, when it is not. Where, where there is wonder and where there is blessing and where there is life more abundantly and true is in the light. It's not of the darkness that you can say wonderful. It's only of the light that you can say wonderful. And the light is wonderful into His wonderful light. Now, Peter goes on to, uh, to uh, show us this conflict here in the next coming verses. Let's continue to read verse 10. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You see, you see the change, right? We were not a people, now in Christ we are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We've been stopping right there, but we're going to push on just a little further. You know, this morning uh, it says, dear friends, I urge you, it's like big words here, I, dear friends, I'm, I'm urging you, I, I'm, I'm compelling, uh, crying out to you as, as foreigners and ex exiles, uh, that is, I think that's a good translation, foreigners and exiles, but other ones say uh, as, as aliens uh, or, uh, or strangers in this world, as foreigners and exiles in this world, as aliens and strangers uh, in this world, so Peter points out to us that that we are, are, are no longer in this world uh, or of this world, but that we, are, that we are foreigners and exiles in the world, that we are aliens and strangers in this world, that in Christ Jesus we have, we have come out of the world and it is no longer our kingdom, it is no longer our citizenship, and it's no longer our home that we are aliens and strangers here, uh, foreigners and exiles. And so he urges us to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So he says, he says remember, remember this, that you are aliens and strangers in this world, that you're foreigners and exiles in this world. And so I'm, I'm urging you to abstain from the darkness to stay out of the darkness, to stay away from sin. It, it's not good. It's not life-giving. It's, it's not wonderful. The, the wonderful is in the light. You need to abstain from these sinful desires which wage war against uh, your uh, soul. So, uh, maybe a good way of, of, of looking at this is, is, uh, is to think about tug-of-war. Have you ever... You ever uh, played tug-of-war? Ever been in a tug-of-war? Have you ever watched a, a tug-of-war? We do this a lot at camp. You know, you get you know, 40 kids on one side of the line and 40 kids on the other side of the line, and they pull. And there's a, there's a line, and, 
And if one group pulls the other past the line, then they win or, or into the mud or something like that. That would be even better if it's a mud pit. You know, sometimes you can make that happen, sometimes you can't. But there's a, there's a tug of war that takes place where one group is pulling and another group's pulling and they're trying to outpull the other group. This is, this is something that happens in the Christian life. There is, a, there is a tug of war that takes place that, that Peter's talking about right here. There's, this, there's these sinful desires that, that are pulling on you that wage war against your soul. And, and, and for many, there is this tug of war that's taking place where, where there is the call of God on their lives to pull them out of darkness. And God has laid hold of them and chosen them and he's pulling them up out of darkness. But then there is this there is this there is this uh, desire of of the world and, and a longing for the darkness and, and the ways of the world and the, and the pleasures of the world that lay hold and are pulling back on the Christian call of God, trying to bring them back in to the world, back into the darkness. So, so, so you, you, you may feel like this, I don't know, or, or, or someone online may feel like this, that, that you know you're called of God and that pulls you towards Him. But then there's also this, this longing for the world. This longing for the sinful desires of the world, this longing for the darkness, and, and it pulls you back this way, and, and you want the world, and you want God, and you're in this tug of war that's pulling you one way, and pulling you the other, and pulling you one way, and pulling you the other, and you know you're called of God, but you just can't let go of the world, and, and you're being pulled in this tug of war. The, the problem with this is that at some point in time, when it comes to tug of war, somebody wins. Or maybe that's the good thing, and it could be the problem. If the call of God wins, then hallelujah. But many times, it is, it's, the, it's the pull of the, of the sinful desires of the world, of the darkness, that wins and pulls you away from God. And, and what a terrible, uh, sad thing that that may be. We see this, this war, this tug of war that is, that is going on in many Many people's lives where they are called of God and they know it and yet there is this desire for the world, for the ways of the world, the things of the world. And, and, and what I want to say to you this, this morning, if, if that's you, if that's you, if, if that's you, then, then let go of the darkness. It's not wonderful. Let go of the sinful desires. They wage war against your soul to destroy you and freely, totally, completely surrender yourself to the call of God on your life, to the love of God that He has for you, to the freedom that is found in the blood of Christ, and to the wonderful call to be a servant of our loving Heavenly Father. Let yourself, let yourself completely go for Jesus. Verse 12. Live such good lives among the, among the pagans, which is you know, another word for, for the world, for those who have not trusted Jesus, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So, so we are to live in this world to bring God glory and honor. And even though the world comes against us, and accuses us. If we'll live uh, bringing God honor and glory, they'll see the good deeds that we do, uh, and, uh, and God will be glorified on the day uh, that He visits us. So, so Peter here uh, speaks to us 
about not only living for the glory of God and, and doing good deeds, but he also reminds us that there's coming a day when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will return and that that day should affect the way that we are living. Now, uh, Jesus also speaks about this um, powerfully and, and clearly uh, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting at verse, at verse 1, we'll, we'll read verse 1 here, and, and then we'll jump to, we'll read verse 1 and then we'll jump to, to 19. Um, this, is, this is Jesus speaking, he says, uh, be, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he he talks to us about being careful how we're, uh, how we're living and specifically uh, how we practice righteousness, that, that in practicing righteousness, we don't do it uh, for reward uh, from, from others, from, for reward from uh, mankind. And then he tells us that if we do, that we won't have any reward from our Father uh, in heaven. So pointing out to us that that there is reward that can come from this world, reward that can come from man, and that there is reward that comes from our heavenly uh, Father. So, so then Jesus moves in, moves on, and, and he says, he talks about giving. And he says, don't, don't give to be seen of, of men. Don't give to be seen of others. Don't, don't let your giving be about receiving reward from others. He says, but when you give, let it be about God seeing it and about receiving reward from God. And he says this, he says that, that if, if you're giving so that people will look at you and be like, oh, look at him, look at him give. What, what a man, my goodness. What a righteous man. Look at how he's giving. If you're doing that, he says, that's your reward. Your reward will be the praise of others. He says, but, but don't do that. Give so that God sees you, and then God will reward you. He says, you want, you want to live for God's applause. You want to live for God's reward. And then he says the same thing about prayer. He goes into prayer and he says, he says don't pray to impress people so that people will praise you. And people will reward you. Right? Jesus hits right at our heart, doesn't he? He knows how we can so easily get, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> get caught up in, in, in what other people think and in the praise of people. He says, he says don't do that. He says, he, says, he says, pray so that your heavenly Father sees you and your heavenly Father rewards you. And then he says the same thing about fasting. He says, when you fast, don't, don't fast so that people will see you and, and know that you're fasting and praise you and, and reward you. But when you fast, let it be to God. Let Him see. Let your reward come from Him. What he's saying to us is, is we don't want earthly rewards. We don't want earthly praise. We don't want to live in such a way as for the darkness to applaud us. We don't want to live in such a way as for our treasure to be in this world. He says there, there's something bigger, there's something better, there's something more. It's your Father in heaven and it is receiving His reward. 
There is a reward that comes from God that is better than anything that could come from men. And, and then, he, then he goes on to explain this in verse 19. Now I know these are, for, are familiar scriptures for you, or at least I hope they are. If they're not, you, know, you need to study your Bible more. Yeah, amen. Yes, there you go. Praise the Lord. But I know they are. But for many who are watching online, they're not. And you need to study your Bible more. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. So every now and then, Jesus will give us a do not. And I think they ought to get our attention. Here he, here he gives one. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, why, Lord? Well, moth and, and vermin destroy and, and thieves break in and steal. So don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because those things will be lost. Those things will be destroyed. Those things will go away. Hey, this is, this is, you know, I know we know these scriptures, but they really, it really hit us where we need to be hit because, because so easily, right, we get our eyes back on the world, back on the, back on the darkness, back on the things of the world. We think that it's wonderful. We think that the treasures of the world are wonderful and we can so easily make those our pursuit and make those our storehouse. Jesus says, don't do that. All those things go away. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So, so, so we can, if Jesus is telling us to do this, we can do this. We can store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And the reason this is a good idea is because this is where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So your treasure on earth will go away. And if it doesn't, you will go away and you can't take it with you. One or the other, you're going to lose it. But treasure in heaven will not be lost. It's not going to be stolen. It's not going to be destroyed. And when you leave this earth, you're going to go to your heavenly home and to your heavenly treasure. And then Jesus says something powerful and, and profound like he often does here in verse 20. Or verse 21, I mean. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's powerful, isn't it? He says, there, there where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. So if you're, if you're storing up treasure on earth, that's where your focus is going to be. That's where your heart's going to be. That's where your passion's going to be. That's where your desire's going to be. And you can easily be moved and shifted and, and tugged and turned and tricked and deceived because when treasure's on earth, you can lose it. You feel like you've got to guard it and protect it and fight for it and run after it and it becomes your focus. But, but if your treasure is in heaven, that's where your heart will be also. That's where your passion will be, your focus will be, your longing will be, your desire will be. And, and so you will, you will not be easily tripped up and, and led astray and destroyed and, uh, and deceived and, and run back to the darkness. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then he says something, you know, maybe a little bit puzzling. He says the eye is the, is the lamp of the body or, or the light of the body. If your eyes, if your eyes are healthy or, or good, your whole body will be full of light. So if, you're, if your eyes, where they focus, 
what they're lifted up to, what they're, what they're looking at, if, if, that is, if that is healthy, if that is good, if that is heavenward, if that's your heavenly Father and your heavenly home and your heavenly reward, then what's going to happen is that's going to bring light and goodness and wholeness and life to all of you. Verse 23, but he gives the, the opposite there. But if your eyes are unhealthy or, or bad, and your whole body will be full of darkness. See darkness coming back into this then. then if, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If, if where your eyes are looking is this world, if your eyes are, are wandering back to the wonderful darkness which is not wonderful. Remember? It's the light that's wonderful. We're called out of the, the destructive darkness into the wonderful light. But if, you're, if your eyes are, are darkness, then how great, and, and what you're seeing, the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If, if, you're, if your focus is on worldly things, then, then that darkness is just going to bring darkness into your thinking, into your, into your living, into your, into your deciding, into your belief system, into your, into your life. And then you know this verse. This is so true. Remember the tug of war. Here's the answer to it in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You, you, can't, you can't serve both God and this world. You can't, you can't live in the darkness and in the light. You cannot, you cannot continue to, to be a lover of the world and a lover of God and have that war go on inside of you at some point in time. Something gives and you will love one and hate the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and the world. I think a, a really clear verse that really uh, spells this out for us is, is found in Philippians chapter 3. This is what Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, in Philippians 3, uh, 18. He says, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That This is not where we want to be. This is not who we want to be. Enemies of the cross of Christ. This, this has got such a first Peter feel to it to me, right? Because Peter says, Peter says, I urge you as, as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against you. He says, he says I'm urging you not to, not to live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul says, I'm telling you this with tears that this is the way many people live. This is not the way we live. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. 
Their glory is in their shame. Look at this. Their mind is set on earthly things. How many a believer, how many a Christian, how many who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, their, their, their eyes are still focused on worldly things. Their mind is still set on earthly things. There is, there is a longing inside of them for the wonderful darkness. That is not wonderful. If you, if you haven't heard me say it, just, I know you know. Let me say it to you online. The darkness is not wonderful. The light is. It's the wonderful light. Their, their minds are set on earthly things. But, but not us. Not us, the people of God. This is what he says to us. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here again, we've got, we've got a mentioning of the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are reminded that we are not people of this earth. Did you know that? We're aliens and strangers here. Look at this word. It's our citizenship. That, that is where our home is. Our home is in heaven. And we, we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not fearfully await. That we eagerly await. Our eyes are looked up to our heavenly home where our Savior is, where our treasure is, where our reward is, where our heavenly Father is. And we are excited and eager about someday coming there. That's why, younger saints, you may hear older saints say, Oh, Jesus, come quickly, Lord. I'm ready for you to come. I'm waiting for you to come. Come and get us right now, Lord. We, 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 are, we are excited and eager for your coming because, because they've recognized that this world doesn't have anything for them and that everything of worth is in heaven, their heavenly home, and they're eagerly awaiting the day where they will be united with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and their eternal reward who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, Jesus is going to do that, will bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Hallelujah. Did you, did you ever catch that? Did you catch that? That someday, those of us who have trusted Jesus are going to be transformed and we will be transformed our lowly bodies so that they so that our bodies will be like his glorious body that we will be like our lord and savior jesus christ and this is a hope that should have our focus and our attention and the older i get the more thankful i am for this promise that this body is not the body that I got to go through eternity with. That it's just the one that is going to be transformed to be like His glorious body. Now, when you come to start thinking about this, you, you got to move into the book of, of Revelation. And, and it's there in the book of, 
of Revelation that we, that we get this look at, at the white robe. I, I think we see it first uh, as, as John sees Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 and, and Jesus is clothed in, in a robe that he, is, that he is wearing. John sees this, you know, this amazing picture of, of Christ there in Revelation chapter 1. And, and then again in Revelation chapter 4, we see that the, uh, the 24 elders on their thrones, that they are clothed in, in white robes. And then we see uh, in Revelation uh, chapter six, uh, as the uh, as the as the seals, as Jesus begins to open the seal, we see that the, the you know the first four seals are the are the four uh, horsemen, and, and then there's the fifth uh, seal that is opened, and and in this fifth opening of the fifth seal, this is this is what we see, verse nine. When he opened the fifth seal. Uh, the lamb that was slain, opening the seals on the scroll that no one but him could open, opens the fifth seal and it says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. So, uh, so there, are, uh, there are there in heaven under the throne those who have given their lives for Christ. Such is their passion. For the word of God and testimony, they've been slain. And he sees these as, as the fifth scroll is opened. And, and they called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe. And they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So these, these saints who have given their lives for the testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, are there in heaven and they are rewarded with a white robe. I think that maybe the, the white robe for us ought to just remind us of our heavenly home and of our eternal reward and that, and that when we live and give our lives for Christ that we will be rewarded by being clothed in a white robe. Now, now we also see this uh, appear again right in the next chapter, in chapter 7. In, in chapter 7, um, John sees this. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Here is a multitude of saints standing before the Lamb and they again are clothed in white robes. And then the story continues. 
And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They know where their, their salvation has come from and they know who is Savior. And the angels uh, were standing around the throne and around the elders and around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, uh, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? These who are here in white robes, come on, explain them to me, John. Who are they? Where did they come from? And John, you know, being a, a smart man, says, Sir, you know. He said, Yeah, you know, please tell me. These, and he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. These are those who have come out of the great tribulation. There, there's, there's all kinds of you know, discussion and disagreement upon, about what this exactly means, about where that they came from. And I don't want to get into all of that this morning because what we know is that this is a great multitude that stands in the presence of God and worships Him and exalts Him and glorifies His name. And they are there because they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that could mean for all of us who have run to Jesus and not anything else for salvation and, and been washed in the blood of the Lamb, that there is for us a white robe that we will wear in eternity, a reward from our Heavenly Father that is worth abandoning this world for, because listen to what else takes place. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, you see the darkness isn't wonderful. It's the light that's wonderful. And it's not wonderful to, to be a child of this world. It's wonderful to be a child of God. And I don't want to stand with the armies of the kingdom of darkness. I want to stand with the armies of God dressed in my white robe. We see this again in Revelation 19 as, as Jesus shows up on the scene. Can I just read these verses for you? I saw... Uh, standing open, there before me was a white horse whose, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. 
His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That, that here is Jesus, and then here are his armies. And they are, they are not only uh, dressed in, in white linen, uh, white and clean, but they are riding on white horses with, with Jesus riding with Jesus, not against him. There is an army that has arisen, the armies of the Antichrist, the armies of this world that are against Jesus. They are not wearing white robes. But for those who have run to the blood of Christ and have trusted him as Lord and Savior and have come out of the darkness into the wonderful light and have embraced the beauty of being people of God who have, who have not lived, tried to live for God and the world, for God and money, but have, but have abandoned that and have made God their, their Savior and Master and Lord. They are, they are riding with Jesus into battle against the armies of this world. And this day will come. And they're riding on white horses that, that have been given to them and clothed in white robes that have been given to them as they march into battle with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, and if you didn't know, they all ride into victory. And Jesus is victorious. And the enemy is defeated. And the kingdom of God is established. And, and I would say to you that this white horse and these white robes and being a member of that army of the Lord is worth giving up and losing anything that this world has to offer. You know, as I, as I thought about this, and one of the things that, that kind of stirred in me, and this, this is kind of my opinion, Right here, I can't prove this, but you know, in Genesis chapter 37, when, when we get into the story of Joseph, Joseph's father loves him so much and delighted in him so much and, and favored him so much that he made Joseph a, a robe of many colors. It, it, was, it was handcrafted, specially made by his father, just for him, uniquely made for Joseph. And I think, I think that's, that's our reward as well. I don't think that there's this, I know this is my opinion, but I don't think that there's like this mass factory in heaven that's just, that's just pumping out white robes. Right? I, I think God the Father is handcrafting my robe specially made for me, tailored to my size, maybe with my unique special name on it, like Jesus' unique special name is on his, just selected for Jason, awaiting me to be clothed. You know, you, you feel like Jacob just went to Joseph, right? And, and robed him in it. I think there's a day coming when, 
when we stand before the Father in heaven and He robes us in the robe that He made specially for us, that He handcrafted for Elizabeth, that He specially wove for Tyler, that's got Sarah's unique name written on it, that, that perfectly tailored to each and every one of our new heavenly bodies with our unique names written on it. I can't, I can't prove it, but there is a scripture that talks about a white stone that's like that. Let me read that to you. I'm almost done. Revelation 2. What is it, 17? Revelation 2, 17. This kind of goes along with it. It says, whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is, who is victorious, I will give him of the hidden manna. You see, this, you see this reward? I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. That there will come for those who, who, of us who will labor. Who, who will strive, who will consider everything that this world has lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. There will come to those who, who, who don't love this world, but love God, a white stone given to us that has our name written on it. Not mass produced with, with everybody's one name on it, but, but my unique name written on it that, that only I know a white stone given to me that I will receive that is for me. I think sometimes like, like we get this idea right, that we're just a crowd to God. We're just a multitude to God. But we are not. You are a unique, special individual that He has a white stone for you. You know, you know what the white stone actually represented in, in those times? That it was, that it was given it was, it was cast as a vote of innocence that, was declared, that declared to the person that received the white stone, you are not guilty, you are justified. So God's got a, got a white stone for me, hallelujah, with my unique name on it, that He's named me because only He knows who I am, that He gives me specially for me. And I believe He's also got a white robe that's, that's fit to my size, crafted just for me, that He's going to clothe me in, and I believe that for you as well, and, and, and for every blood-bought, blood-washed saint of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that that is a heavenly reward that is worth, it is worth everything that you may think you'd lose in this world. You see, people of God who are called by His name, loved by God the Father, held by Jesus Christ, we are not living for worldly rewards, for worldly praise, for worldly fame, or worldly possessions, or worldly relationships, or, 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 or darkness, or the destructiveness of sin that, yeah, is pleasurable, but only for a season. And then it steals, and kills, and destroys everything about us. 
We are living with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Our our face turned toward heaven. Citizens of heaven. And we are willing to labor and sacrifice and give up and take away and and, I mean mean give away and, and let go of everything for our white stone and our white robe uniquely made for us that we are cloaked and, 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 and I mean that we are given and, and, and covered in and clothed in and I'm telling you it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it I, I, I'm going to say to all the young people and every, every young person on the planet living for Jesus there may be times of trouble there may be times of difficulty there may be times when you think you're missing out and, 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 and giving up and, and why can't I do that and why can't I go there and why can't I have this and why can't I be them I'm telling you everything we lay down for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus is worth it And when you're sitting on your white steed, maybe with your white stone hanging around your neck, clothed in your white robe, gathered together with the armies of heaven, you are going to know it. You're going to say, oh my goodness, it was all worth it. Every gift, every prayer, every struggle, every sacrifice, it was all worth it. That is why I believe that as the people of God We are a people who have to be thinking differently, living differently. We've got to look at ourselves differently. Just let me me say this. I've said this before. I haven't said it in a while. Let me say it again. I was... was, you know, a teenager, I heard, I heard a, a preacher say this, and it just, it just hit me and, and stuck with me. He said this, he said, he said others may, I cannot. He, he, said, he said, others may, may long for the darkness, but I cannot. There is a white robe awaiting me, a white stone with my name. I, I, maybe if we carry this out, this line of thinking out, we could even say that there is a white horse that has been bred and raised and trained just for me. Maybe that's why all of this is taking so long. Because God's got to build me a room and weave me a garment and raise me a horse and select me a stone. He's got all that work to do that He's laboring to do just for each and every one of us. And it's taken Him some time to get it done. Because he wants, to get, he wants to get Nick's robe just right. Just for him. So that, so that when we show up, he's ready to give it to us and, and, and clothe us and, and reward us for everything that we've believed and all that we've done. It's, it's worth all, of, it's wor- all of it's worth us having this attitude, others may, but I cannot. Others, others may run to this and that. I, I cannot. I will not. I'm not saying that others may and it's okay for them to do it. I'm saying that that's what others may do, but, but I cannot do it and I will not do it. We are called of God to live differently. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our gaze and focus is there and our eternal reward is worth any sacrifice I consider that that all of these things 
2 Corinthians 4, is not worth comparing. That all of these outward troubles that we face is not worth comparing to our eternal reward that we will receive. That, that is why we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you have called us and chosen us and selected us. That we are called by you out of darkness into your wonderful light. That we are called into the freedom, the glorious freedom of the people of God, of the children of God. That we are called to be citizens no longer of earth, but citizens of heaven. Lord, I pray that you would help every believer right now who is struggling with having their mind on earthly things. That are, they're, they're struggling with their desire on sinful, worldly, darkness, destructive things. That you'd help them right now, Lord. That you'd bring to them freedom. That you'd give them a revelation right now of their white stone with their name on it. That you'd show them their white robe that, you have, that, you have, that you've perfectly crafted for them. That you'd show them their, their white horse, their, their heavenly home. The glorious reward that awaits them. And it would ruin them for the things of this world ruin each and every one of us for the things of this world that, that we all, like Paul, would just have a glimpse of heaven, of our eternal home and our eternal reward. And, and, and so because of it, we would, say, we would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because to die means I go with, to be with Him where He is into my eternal reward, which, which cannot perish or be destroyed or stolen. Help us to live with our eyes fixed up on heaven. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if, if you have not been washed in the blood of the Lamb and made your robes white with the blood of the Lamb, but this morning you want to, you want to run to Jesus as Savior and Lord, I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're online, I just, just pray with me and just run to Jesus this morning and make Him the Lord of your life. Let's pray together. Everyone just repeating after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I run to you. I ask you to save me. Wash me in your blood and I will be whiter than snow. Cleanse me and forgive me. Jesus, I open my heart and I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. And I declare, Lord Jesus, that from this day forward, you will be my life my forever passion. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for your faith and trust in Jesus. I promise you,
it will be richly rewarded. God bless. See you Sunday.